Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil Camero here with episode 13 of the Tutor Podcast. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about pricing. More specifically, how to find the right price strategies for your teaching business. We'll take a quick look at what the right price is for you. Get a positive perspective on pricing. Understanding why the price that you ask and demand matters. Think about how you deliver in your material and its impact on pricing. How you get paid. The impact of pricing on competition. The sole subject of discounting. So, without further ado, let's loop back and get into some of the details about those main points. Okay, let's start with what is the right price for you? Well, a lot of this is going to come down to your own individual skill set. What I do stress is that you should get paid the most you can for your time and effort. In order for you to get paid, you must deliver the maximum. I want you to over-deliver relative to the price you charge. If you always deliver more value than you're paid for, the chances are you'll be extremely busy, you'll be very well rewarded, and you'll keep on growing your skill set because you're always trying to push your abilities along. The more skills you have, the better you communicate your ideas, and the more progress you can enable your students or your clients to make, the more money you can be paid. It is always a fair exchange of value. Remember, you can only ask someone to pay you. So why not ask for a lot, as much as you can, if you're delivering great value? Don't let that be a negative. This brings us onto the whole perspective on pricing. My own personal background is I come from a family with very low expectations from one of the roughest council estates in Wolverhampton, the town where I was brought up. Initially, when I was being paid to teach, I was still working my day job with finance. But in a very short space of time, I was making as much money from my teaching practice as I was in my day job. So I got a lot of guilt hanging around my neck that maybe I was charging too much, that I was getting paid for doing something that was actually great fun for me. And there is a tendency to devalue what you do if it's fun. Bear that in mind when you set your prices. If you aim high, you'll probably score high. If you aim low, you may well just end up scoring low because it's very difficult to negotiate your price from a position of weakness and a low perceived value. Remember, how you're perceived is reality as far as your customers are concerned. As far as your clients are concerned, the value they're happy to pay is what they value at. That's reality. So ask for what you want. Don't ask for what you think they can afford to pay. Ask for what you are worth. And then get busy being worth far more than you're charging. Strangely, when you do that, your clients and your students will ask if they're paying you enough. This sounds bonkers, but it's happened a lot to me over the years. People keep asking, when are you putting your prices up? Is it still this much money? I say, yes, it is. Regularly, think about how much value you're delivering to your customers. There's a great story that really links into this that I was told as a young salesperson about a plumber who was called in to a very posh house to fix the central heating system, which had ceased to work in the middle of winter. The plumber arrived with a bag full of tools and walked around the house, asked a few questions and took a look at the central heating boiler. In a second, he reached into his tool bag and took out a small hammer and gave a particular part of the central heating boiler a tap with a hammer. Immediately, the central heating system sprang to life and the problem was resolved. 
When the plumber submitted his invoice for the job, it was for £1,000. The owner of the property got in touch with the plumber and said, could you send me an itemised bill because I can't understand why you're charging me £1,000. You're only here five minutes. The owner of the property then received an amended invoice from the plumber itemising the charges like this. On line item one, charge for hitting pipe with hammer, £1. Charge for knowing which pipe to hit, £999. Grand total, £1,000. You see, it wasn't what he did. It was knowing what to do, knowing how to use that particular tool in that particular way. And I think we're rather like that as teachers. Our skills are often so deeply ingrained in our sense of identity and who we are so properly and thoroughly rehearsed and ingrained that we give them very little value in the marketplace. But we really should keep our prices high. The level of pricing that you operate at matters greatly. And here's why. It positions you in the mind of potential customers or potential clients or potential students. If you charge a few quid for a teaching session, you will be perceived as having very low value. If you charge a middle-of-the-road price, let's call it the going rate, then you'll be probably considered to be an average sort of a teacher. But if your prices are higher by a noticeable margin than your so-called competition, you will be perceived as being an elite service provider. It's all about perception. For instance, if you went to a heart surgeon who ran his clinic in the back room of his mum's council flat, you might get charged 10 quid for heart surgery. But you'd be very sceptical as to whether it would be any good. You'd be much happier handing over £10,000 to go to a Swiss clinic in a nice suburb of a big city where uniformed staff make you feel comfortable, bring you a cup of coffee, and the surgeon sees you in his consulting room. Ten grand for that. But would you be happier paying £50,000 for your heart surgery to go to a specialist in Harley Street where very attractive staff members in beautifully turned out uniforms serve you gourmet coffee and you watch colour television whilst you wait to be seen in the opulent consulting room of one of the country's top heart specialists. 10 quid, 10 grand, 40, 50 grand or more. Which would you be happier paying for your heart surgery? Notice how the price there has completely twisted your perception of reality because the surgeons are all equally good. Bear in mind that cheap repels and expensive allures. If you go and buy a Rolex watch, it will keep pretty good time. If you've got a particularly good one that's well calibrated, it will keep time almost as well as a 9.99 digital watch from the local petrol station. What would you rather have on your wrist? Remember, cheap repels, expensive allures. So let's move on. Let's look at how you're delivering your material, because this can also be a big part of the pricing equation. Delivering your material face-to-face, you can do it in two ways. You can do it one-to-one, or you can do it one-to-many. One-to-one, you tend to be working personally with your students or your clients, and you can tailor things to fit the individual. One-to-one encounters with your clients tend to suit the high-end part of the teaching spectrum. So you can charge more. However, downside is that there's no leverage. You're consistently trading time for money at a flat rate. The other face-to-face delivery method is one-to-many, where you might be teaching a group. A couple of upsides to this is the massive leverage, or leverage as our American cousins like to call it, on your time. If you are teaching a large group who are all paying a low rate than your individual clients, you can still end up generating a larger gross revenue per hour or per session than you can with your high-end individual clients. 
So you may be getting paid, say, £50 an hour teaching one-to-one, but charge £10 an hour for each of the 10 people in your teaching group. So obviously you're making twice as much per hour, so you've got leverage there. The one-to-many model is also sociable. This can be very important. There are a lot of group-based teaching projects, they usually call themselves, that operate in this model, where the coherence of the group and the sociable aspect of it is often more important than the content delivered or the quality of teaching provision. If you can combine fantastic content and fantastic provision of teaching services, if you're a tutor or a coach, with the social aspect of group tuition, it's a winning model. It's not something I personally do. I know people who do it very successfully. It works for them. Personally, I'm more happy working face-to-face with people, as I'm not content to use a one-size-fits-all approach as I would in a group. I like to work with the individual and make it a better match and a better fit for them. Now, online delivery of your material, your teaching style, your coaching services online can be wonderful. This is something I'm developing at the moment for my own particular teaching system for guitarists. I can record the material once, leave it online for years and years and get paid on it over and over and over again. So the time spent recording courses or webinars, audio programs, DVDs, downloads, products, PDFs, all of that sort of thing is a do once get paid many model. Again, it's leveraging your time and it's also putting a passive back end onto the time spent developing the material and putting it together. Recording materials tend to be a lot less expensive than working live face to face with you. You can offer many levels from a free or very low price introductory offer through graded resources, graded courses, graded trainings. And of course, you can sell from those materials into your live training or personal tuition services. So they can be an extremely lucrative business model. I've held off with this for such a long time because I've been mired by the poison of perfectionism and I'm working to be imperfect but more productive. So stay tuned on that. So let's think about how you're going to get paid. The basic models are pay-as-you-go, prepayments, payment by invoice and line of credits. Pay-as-you-go is the operating model for me. I like to get paid as I go. I get paid cash, checks, bank transfers. And at the moment, I'm quite happily operating without taking card payments. But I think that's an inevitability for me because I'm ending up with cash lying around the house that I'm not very happy about having. It can stack up over a week or so. Prepayments. Um, this I use personally, where someone pays for a bunch of lessons up front, for gift vouchers. Predominantly gift vouchers or someone who has been given some money and they just want to book and invest in themselves ahead of time rather than squander the money on something else. There is a certain downside of that, which is entirely psychological, is you've already had the money. Now this person will start showing up in your teaching room or your consulting room for weeks and weeks and weeks. And you don't see any money, so you'll see no perceived benefit of having them on your schedule and keeping that appointments. So bear that in mind. The more upfront payments you take, the more that you'll have that almost a sense of resentment that they keep showing up and they're not paying. It lurks. Trust me on this one. Okay, you could invoice your clients. Personally, I don't want to handle much paperwork. I keep good records. I know I'm legit as far as tax goes. So I just tend not to do invoices unless someone is buying my personal coaching or professional development services through a business. My one-to-one clients, my guitar teaching clients, they're all on pay as you go. And credit, I don't recommend credit. I don't operate it. The first time you get stiffed, you'll know better and you'll 
feel you've been taken for a ride and of course you will have been it's only happened once and if i ever meet that person again i will introduce them to anyone in earshot so trust me don't run credit for your students you'll lose your students eventually if that's what you're worried about lose them now rather than lose them and the opportunity that they will have swallowed up by taking your time which could have been used to work with new students and new clients just don't do it guys now one of the things that keeps coming up when i'm thinking about pricing for me and for other people who are in the tutoring business, is competition. I want to nail this one because I think it's quite an insidious cycle you can get onto. Quite unpleasant. The first thing of all is remember there is no competition for you and your unique insights. Nobody else has your take on things unless you are a clone and there's another clone doing exactly the same job in exactly the same way. There is no competition for you. There's no competition for me. So why would I want to compete with someone who's different than me on price? We're not commodities, remember? We don't want to be a commodity. You want to be a unique service provider. You want to have a unique sales proposition or USP. It's that that makes you different from everybody else. It's that USP, that unique insight or quality that you have that makes you different from everyone else. Let them be whatever they are. They're not you. Don't compete with them. If the only thing that differentiates you from other people in your industry is your price, then you're just a commodity, and commodities are cheap. Don't worry about your price putting people off. Remember, if price is the primary driver for your clients or for your students, you've got to ask yourself a simple question. Would you really choose to work with someone who only wanted to pay low price? Personally, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want a client who wanted to pay less and work with someone who was less skilled because it saved them a few quid because i think the chances are if they're paying low rates they're going to get a low value so they're really not my tribe have a think about your perfect customer your perfect client your perfect student that we covered a few episodes ago and that just swings me to the last point on the list today and it's discounting ah how many times have you and i been asked about discounts particularly block book discounts happens all the time doesn't it it's a very common practice but i don't think it's a good business practice and here's why unless i'm using it as a loss leading strategy i won't discount because it depositions me if my price is very soft then it's open to negotiation at all times if my price suddenly drops the customer may think i was just trying it on with my original higher price anyway though i can be depositioned very quickly by rapid discounting don't do it I want you to think about the lifetime value of the client in a discounted and a non-discounted scenario. Every time you discount a session for a student, the student's going to expect that discount to continue for the rest of their working relationship with you. Now, you may be working with someone for years as you develop them from a zero to a hero, in which case I want you to multiply up how much discount you've given them by how many sessions per year, by how long you expect them to be working with you. Think about that. If you were to discount your price by £5 a session for 50 weeks a year, that's £250, multiplied by, say, a five-year period, which is, you know, fairly common, that's £1,250 that you're giving away. Do you want to give away £1,250? Not really. Don't do it. The discount you give today will affect your income from every session from today onwards. Also, if you're truly outstanding at what you do, why would you want a discount? Surely you're good enough to be booked solid. 
to have a tribe of clients or students beating a path to your door because they've heard great things about you. So again, I'm just discouraging this the whole time. If you feel you must sweeten a deal for someone, give them something that has high perceived value for them, but has a low cost to you. I've often given away signed copies of my book, Nine Weird Things Guitarists Do, just to make students feel better about not getting a discount. I will usually say, I don't do discounts, but what I would like to do is give you something that's even more valuable than a discount, and it's the insights and knowledge in this book. And I'll give them the book. They're happy. book doesn't cost me very much. And then they'll usually give me the book back and ask me to sign it. So I've politely declined their request for discount. I've given them something of great value, and then they've asked me to sign it. They're probably going to be working with me for quite a while. So I've just headed off the lifetime loss of value of the clients for a book which cost me just a few pounds to have printed. So discounting, just just don't do it, guys. So take those variables into account to find out what is the right price for you. If you're traveling to and from teaching engagements, for instance, if you're doing an in-home service, remember to factor in an hourly rate for your traveling time and the cost of running your cars and a little bit extra for wear and tear of your equipment. So let's say you're a provincial tutor and you're charging £30 an hour. That's great if everyone's coming to you. But if you have to drive to them and it's a 15-minute drive, you really should be adding in an extra half an hour onto your price to that person. Then a few more pounds to cover your petrol. You know, half an hour drive, that can be you know half a gallon of gas. So add it all up and think about the loss of opportunity if you don't. So you may be charging someone for in-home tuition £30 an hour. But if it takes you half an hour to get there, 10 minutes to set up, that's not an hour gig anymore. That's an hour and 40 minutes. So the hourly rate is no longer £30. It's way less. You can do the maths yourselves. You're bright enough. Get the right price for your money. Get as much as you can, but deliver massive value. You're always in a fair exchange environment with your students and with your clients. I want my students to leave my teaching rooms with a feeling that they've just essentially trying to find the right form of words for this. I want them to feel like they've just ripped me off, that they've received such outstanding and massive value from the session that however much they've paid me would not have been enough. So they'll be eager to come back and rip me off next week. That's my way of operating. It's the way I like to think of it. I'm not interested in just delivering my hourly rates worth. I want to give them a universe of value. If I can over-deliver week on week and surpass their expectations, then I don't think I'll ever want for students. I think I'll always have a crowd of customers, clients, students beating a path to my door. If you're not operating that business model of trying to absolutely blow their socks off every single session, then your business is at risk from someone who's charging far more but is operating that model. So have a think. That's my 10 cents worth on it. Let me know what caught your ear today and let me know how you get on. If you reconsider your own pricing, please let me know. Did you raise your prices and decide to charge more or did you even decide to lower your prices for some reason? What were your triumphs? What were your tribulations, your challenges? Get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. And that's all we've got time for today. So in the next episode, we're going to be talking about the essentials of DBS. That's the disclosure and barring service. It's all about protecting children and vulnerable people. We're going to talk about what every tutor must know about the law and how you can benefit from being compliant with it. How to use DBS, which used to be called CRB for us oldsters, how to use it and how to take advantage of it. So 
If you want to start, grow and love your tutoring business, then join me, Neil Camero, for the next episode of The Tutor Podcast. Have a fabulous day. Get in touch with The Tutor Podcast via email or social media and The Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses.